You're listening to the True Life Church Podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, join us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. There was a song. There still is a song. It's throwback week. I figured I'd go throwback week. And this song came out in 1984. Who was not al- who was alive in 1984? <laughs> okay, all right. I was, let's do this the other way around. Who was not alive in 1984? <laughs> okay, I automatically feel much older. This this song came out by someone named Bonnie Tyler, and Bonnie Tyler sang a song that came out partnered with this movie you may have heard of called Loose Feet. No, did I say that wrong? It's Footloose. The movie came out Footloose. Loose Feet is the sequel. It's less exciting. And Footloose came out, and this, this video, uh, or this song came out to go with this movie by Bonnie Tyler, and they made this music video about it. This is back when MTV actually played music. And in this music video, it's just, man, it's about as 80s as you could possibly imagine. And this song goes... <clears throat> I need a hero! And it goes on from there. <laughs> Let's be realistic. That's the, that's the only part we really know, but I want you to listen to some of the lyrics here in the chorus. I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero till the end of the night. He's got to be strong, and he's got to be fast, and he's got to be fresh from the fight. I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero till the morning light. He's got to be sure, and he's got to be soon, and he's got to be larger than life. Arguably not the best lyrics ever known to humankind, but man, is it catchy, All right? And you put it with that little groove. It's I need a hero, and you get the little white boy head bob going on like that. It's about as 80s as you could possibly get. Like, it's in the movie Footloose. So setting that up, say what? Play it for, play it for you. I just did. I need a hero. You're going to have to ask your dad for that later. I'm not going to do that. The mass Singer's over, all right? We finished that last week. I want you thinking about that because everything right now going on in our country, in our nation, around the world, local, oh my goodness, does it feel like it's falling apart at the seams, right? I mean, if you think, I mean, like, I think this is great. I think everything's just fine and normal. We need to have a talk. Um, you may need some help more than a pastor can provide. Things aren't normal right now. They're not great right now. Um, people don't even have enough change, or there's like a change sort. It's like, I don't know what they're going to come up with next. You know, like, I feel like it's going to be uh, that, you know, um, uh, from Spaceballs, where the guy's like, I, need, I just need air. There's an air shortage. <sighs> you can feel, you can feel better. Um, sorry. That's where my brain goes. Things aren't seeming like they're going to get a lot better right now. And doesn't it feel like we could use a hero? Because I'll tell you what, I don't care what side of politics you're on, there's no hero to be found. There's candidates aplenty, but a hero? Fresh out of those. If you don't like the, the government locally or higher up than that, I get it. If you look around the world and all the things that are going on, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of good news. 
When, when cops who should be protecting us find one or two of them, there's bad people just like bad lawyers and bad doctors. But society's drawn into these one or two bad people and now made generalities for everybody. And that's what gets out on the news. No one's talking about a bad lawyer or a bad doctor. Seems like all cops are bad right now. I don't believe that's true for a heartbeat. People are people, and people need Jesus. So the nation and the media is wrapped up into the negative, not the positive. And when times are hard and things seem lost, throughout the course of human history, stories come forth. And this is why we have stories like Beowulf, or the epic of Gilgamesh even. What about Troy and the Trojan horse, Odysseus? Anyone take Greek literature and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, when, when times are really hard, we just tell stories about heroes because we needed something better to think about than this mess. Because surely there has to be someone somewhere with goodness in their heart with moral character and fiber, with strength. Someone who is larger than life. So we're going to talk about those people because right now it seems like, eh. And even in the time of church right now, how many, we, we just get on the news and read a pastor's moral failure or a bad choice or something went, happened with this church and it's fallen apart. Even people in ministry aren't who we really want them to be all the time. Because we're all human, infallible. However, there are some people in the Bible who though they are imperfect, God used them in a very, very powerful way. So we're going to start a series today. And it's called Heroes of the Faith. Because things seem a little rough right now outside these doors, maybe even inside your heart. But we need to come back around the table when things seem hard. And we need to recall and reflect and remember the heroes of old. Because, you know, there are some things that maybe we should be paying attention to in there. That are helpful for us as a people and as a church. I think we know some of these stories that we're going to be talking about over the next many weeks. You've probably heard of people like David, right? David and Goliath, we probably know that story. Samson, Delilah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, Daniel in the lion's den, Jacob wrestling with God, Esther, Ruth. You probably know some of these stories. At least I hope you do. And if you don't, hooray. You're going to find some of these stories out. But we're going to take a, a closer look at some of these, what were called heroes in the faith, as according to a Hebrews chapter 11, recounts what they call the heroes of the faith. It says, by faith, so-and-so did this and did that and did that, and God used that person or persons in a mighty way. So today, we're going to start off our series with one of my favorite heroes. Though imperfect, this guy's name was Daniel. We need a hero we can look up to, because as we'll discover next week, Every hero's story ultimately leads us to a better picture of Jesus Christ as the ultimate hero. 
But if we're, as, we, as we begin talking about Daniel's story, I realize I started that sentence five times. As, as we begin talking about Daniel's story, we can't just jump right into the lion's den. We're not ready to yet. I know that may be the part of the story you're familiar with or the part of the story you like, but we're not there yet. If we're really going to understand how much the lion's den meant, we've got to go back earlier into time, into Daniel's life, into his circumstances. Some things you may or may not know about the book of Daniel. Uh, much of the book, if not all of it, is attributed and written to or written by himself. Daniel was a man of noble birth. He's wealthy, royal blood. And he was carried off to Babylon in the first captivity under King Nebuchadnezzar in 605 B.C. So remember, time, as far as our calendar is concerned, worked backwards. So you have B.C., you know, higher numbers down to lower numbers to zero, Jesus, and then we move forward, right? Scientifically, you should call it before Christian era. I'm not going to do that. So I'm not going to do B.C.E. year. This is just B.C. So before Christ. That's what matters. Now, Daniel is one of the few well-known biblical characters in all of the Bible about whom nothing negative is written. Let that sink in for a second. Because we often know other guys we just talked about, they're great heroes, but man, do we know about their imperfections, even today. Right? David, what was David's main imperfection we like to focus on? Last was this last this lady named Bathsheba, right? Absolutely. Oh, and murder and some other things that went along with that. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that in David's story. So there's a lot of not good that comes with David. We kind of know about that. Some other heroes that we may think about could be Peter in the New Testament, even, right? Walked on water, but then also bloop, and have the faith that stuck. Another hero we may talk about. We actually talked about a few weeks ago. Samson. Samson had, was super strong. Super nice Fabio-like hair. We know about Samson's imperfections as well, right? But of Daniel, nothing negative is written. Nothing negative. In fact, it's just the opposite. Ezekiel references him three times as an example of righteousness. That was a contemporary on the other side, living in the same century. All right? little history perspective in here to help things make sense. Babylon rebelled against the Assyrian Empire in 626 B.C. Okay, this is probably before Daniel was born. And they took over Nineveh. Hopefully you've heard of this place. Uh, if you ever read the book of Jonah, Jonah and the whale might be another hero we'll talk about later. All right, and they took over Nineveh in 612 B.C. And the book of Jonah, you could argue, is written before or after this. It's hard to time, put a timestamp. I believe it's actually written after. We may come around to that next week. All right, they defeated Egypt. Egypt's big empire, right? We think of, you know, let my people go and Israelites all out of that, right? Still a powerful empire. And, and, and Babylon defeated Egypt at the Battle of Carchemish in 605 B.C. And this Babylonian empire is expanding and spreading. And if you know where Egypt is, geographically located, and you know that Israel and the modern-day territory and all that kind of stuff is, is up north of that. And so they conquered all that as Babylonians. They're working their way west. They, they take over um, and subdue much of Egypt. And then they turn north, or northeast, really. And now their attention is on Israel and Jerusalem. 
And Babylon took over Jerusalem. And when they took over Jerusalem, they took hostages. I don't like to call them that, but that's kind of what they were. And they took some of the royalist people, some of the prominent citizens, some of the most educated people, some of the royal blood and noble birth and all that kind of stuff, and they brought them 1,687 miles away to Babylon. Took them out of Jerusalem, what they knew, and they shipped them out somewhere. And we're going to read some of this in just a moment in Daniel chapter 1. But Daniel served under King Nebuchadnezzar, and then later under his son, Belshazzar, and then under King Darius the Mede for about 14 years. It was kind of like a sub-king underneath the Persian king, King Cyrus. All right? And in the first year of King Cyrus, this Jerusalem guy named, or this Israelite named Zerubbabel, and that's a fun word, led a bunch of the Jews back to Jerusalem. They were allowed to leave finally under King Cyrus the Persian. But it doesn't appear that Daniel ever went back home. Never returned. Because in chapter 10, he's there during the third year of Cyrus, and then later around the ninth year of Cyrus. So Daniel never ends up going back home to Jerusalem. It kind of reinforces a point to tie in from a message four or five weeks ago where we talk about one-way ticket and that every journey that really matters, if you recall this or you don't, that's fine, is, is a one-way ticket. You, you really go, and it, and it really matters to go there. And so we see that again brought back as a reinforcement in Daniel's story. And we're going to dive into this more next week. But I want you to write down, if you're able to write this down or take notes, of five things. We're going to see some of this to get today. And we're going to really unwrap it next week to make the Daniel story as a hero make sense. Five components make up Daniel's character. And again, if you're following along, write these down. Number one, faith. Faith makes up part of Daniel's character. Number two, prayer. Number three, courage. Number four, consistency. And then number five, lack of compromise. You won't back down. So faith, prayer, courage, consistency, and lack of compromise. Let's turn into the Bible. Daniel chapter 1. So usually Daniel's pretty near the middle of the entire Bible. So if you open it up and you kind of go it's near the middle and then over the right a bit, you're probably going to be close to finding it. If you're following along at home, open up your laptops or iPhones. or Can you do that and still watch the stream? I don't know. Does that work? I don't know. Great question. No answer. Daniel chapter 1. I want to read just seven verses, but it's going to reinforce what we talked about and make sense, and we're going to break it up. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar's king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. They lost with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. This is important later. Daniel chapter 7, 6 and 7. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family 
and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. I want to stop there really quick. Because we already can surmise a few things about Daniel, even though he's not mentioned by name yet. He's in this group of people. So first of all, we know he's young. He said, youths without blemish. So he doesn't have like a broken leg or an arm or like a lazy eye. just kind of winks at you all the time, right? He's youth without blemish. So he's a young guy. He's probably a teenager. How many teenagers are in the house today? Cool. So when we start talking about Daniel and the things that are coming up in the next few verses, this could be you. Let that sink in for a second. So we know he's young, probably a teenager, 12, 13, 14 maybe. We know he is noble, a.k.a. royal, a.k.a. wealthy. Like, taken out of all he knows, his friends, his family, his social network. Facebook doesn't work the same in Babylon. You know, it, it's just a totally different thing where they've taken away from all of that. Like, he had the charter school. He knew he was what university he was going to go to, and he was going to major in Imperial Aramaic, right? He knew what he was going to do. Didn't matter. His life changed. And that might be feeling like some of y'all youths today, like COVID and all this kind of stuff. You might have had some plans to walk the stage for graduation. You might have had some plans that you knew what this next school year was going to look like. Or in your job life. You, you may have had some plans that you thought that, I know how the next year is going to go. How many wish you could rewind back to go to like January 1st, 2020 and be like, make the ball stop. No more drop. Like end it. Let's just continue. You know, let's make a new month for 2019. Just continue it. So you had some plans for what was going to go on. And you might have feel like that. You thought you knew what was going to go on. But guess what? Life changed. But we already have these five characteristics of Daniel that we talked about. Those are going to come into play big time. So we know he's young. We know he's royal, a.k.a. wealthy, a.k.a. noble blood, higher upper crust society type of guy. We know he's good looking. Now let's just think, think about this for a second. Like it's in here. It's in the Bible, of good appearance. That's one. That's like miniature Brad Pitt, right? I don't know who you think is good looking, but as far as a good looking dude, he's what pops into my brain, right? Maybe John Krasinski. He's kind of geeky though. So, picture who you think looks good. We'll go for that. And then, and then, like, go Benjamin Button style on it, right? And then that's who we're talking about. Daniel was a good-looking dude, so he's young, he's rich, he's attractive. Next, what tells us? Skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning. He's smart. So you've got a, a teenage kid who's darn good-looking, who's got money, who is smart, and then one more thing. He's also confident, all right? Competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. I'll tell you what, I don't care what teenage you are, you've got to have some confidence in yourself and your abilities to stand in front of a king and lecture them about your people and your language. Like, what happens if you mess up? Like, do you get beheaded? Like, that's crazy. But that's kind of the world they lived in. So Daniel is young, he's wealthy, he's good-looking, he's smart, he's confident. He seems to have everything going on for him, right? Like that's all the attributes 
that the, someone in the world could ever possibly want to have. Like, let's think about it. You're young. How many of us try to stay young? Like we put wrinkle cream on your face or whatever. You know, I don't do that. Maybe you do that. You know, just get rid of the wrinkles. I want to stay looking young. I want to stay feeling like you can't, you can't stop it. You're going to age. Suddenly you wake up bald and 37. You're like, wow. <laughs> About ready to take Chia Pet dust and sprinkle it on my head and just see what happens. You can't stop it. You're going to age, you're going to get old, but we strive for youth, we strive for wealth, we want to be good looking, we want people to like us, we want to, we want to be smart, we want to be confident. Daniel's got all these things. What a cool dude. But it's so important that we get here in verse, in the first few verses of chapter one, because if we don't know this about Daniel, then the lion's den later makes no sense. Daniel didn't rely on any of these things to get him through his life. Didn't rely on his looks to get a job. Didn't rely on his smarts. Maybe he could, you know, build a ramp out of the lion's den. That could work. Hmm, maybe if I extrapolate the Pythagorean theorem and I can do my taxes and over there and figure out a way out of this mess. No, it didn't work like that. He didn't use any of the things that, as the world, we would think, that person's got it all together. Because it wasn't enough. He needed God, and so do we. So they bring all these people back from Jerusalem to Babylon. And guess what? They get a free ticket to college. How cool is that? So they bring him back to Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar like, I'm going to send you to the best schools for three years. Verse 5, king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate. So you're getting good food. Like, you're not going to starve on the streets of Babylon, right? And the wine that he drank. So they're getting high quality food. They were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. So they're going to go off to college and then come back and say, how much have you learned? Can we work together as cultures, as societies, as peoples, and, and translate languages and write cuneiform books and things? And among these, people were talking about, among these were Daniel, hopefully we know this name, right? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. All of these were people of Judah. And I want to pause for a second because if we get too far down this journey, we're going to forget two very important people in Daniel's life. You know who they are? They're not mentioned. There's parents. We don't know who Daniel's parents were. We know he's from the tribe of Judah. But I'll tell you what, to have a faith like Daniel's going to have, and we're going to discover that, that didn't come from his good looks, from his wealth, from him being smart or confident or being young. That came from being surrounded in a good faith environment. It's intangible. And so if we get too far down the journey and not think about like, well, time out. Let's think about Daniel's parents for a second. How important was his upbringing in order so that he's entering life in captivity as a teenager? Let's pretend it's your son being taken away at 13 years old. Never going to see him again. 1,600 miles away. 
Does he know everything he needs to know for life? Does he know who God is? Does he know what he means to, leave, to live out his faith? Does he know what it means to have those five characteristics? Faith, prayer, courage, consistency, and lack of compromise. Or is he going to back down when challenges come? You see, if you and I as parents take a look at these five components, and these are the types of things that we pour daily into our families, daily into our children, they might be ready at 12 or 13. I think there's a lot of America, a lot of the world, who wouldn't fit that bill, though. I think you know it. I think I know it. And for y'all again in here who's teenagers, this is so important. If you can take these five things, put them on a post-it note on your mirror. I can't, I'm not talking about the other five things. <laughs> Good looking. <laughs> Smart, confident. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about those things. I can't make you good looking. In some of your cases, you can't make you good looking. <laughs> it's a joke, lighten up, okay. Look who's talking to you. I can't make me good looking either, okay? These five components, faith, prayer, courage, consistency, and lack of compromise, you can put those on a post-it note on your mirror and you seek God for those every day. You're going to be the person you need to be. Again, we're talking about Daniel. So there's Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the tribe of Judah, who I would guess all of them had a decent upbringing. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. We're going to give you new names in a new Babylon college. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. Now, often we know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? If I told you we're going to read the story of uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You wouldn't have a clue what I'm talking about. Isn't it interesting how we reference Daniel by his Aramaic and Hebrew name, regardless if he was given a new name, Belteshazzar, but we reference Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by their Babylonian names. Just something to think about. Chew on that later. It's just interesting. All right? So we have teenager Daniel. I'm going to wrap this up because we've got a big week two coming up next week. Daniel resolved, verse 8, that he would not defile himself with the king's food. You're offered the best food, the best wine, the best education, best medical care, all that kind of stuff. Man was like, no, I'm not going to eat this. Therefore, we asked the chief of the eunuch to allow him not to defile himself because they had different laws and rules and regulations of how to eat as a Jew than the Babylonians did. They had different things that they weren't supposed to eat. Babylonians didn't care. And so God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, You know, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youth who are your own age? Like, if you look worse of me not giving you the food, I get killed. This isn't good. So you would endanger my head with the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, note again, Hebrew names, Test your servants for 10 days. All I need is 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. This sounds like your favorite diet as a teenager already, right? Vegetables and water. Gimme, gimme, gimme. No McDonald's. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youth who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. 
So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were in better appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink, and they gave them vegetables. Now, parents, if you ever need a lesson about how important it is to eat your vegetables, you just go to the book of Daniel. Here it is. But there's a lesson here. One of the characteristics we've talked about with Daniel is he was not going to compromise. He knew what God had told him to do, how God had called him to live, and he was faithful in that. So that even when they went into Babylonian captivity and offered the best of everything, I'll give you a new job, I'm going to send you to college, just, and, and you can have all this food. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. And I don't know where you fall on the mask or no mask thing. I don't know where you fall on topics like abortion or immigration. And I'm not trying to get political, but there will come a day and a time. There will come a day and a time where we will have to choose compromising this or not. And you need to know where you stand. Because there will probably come a day, it's already starting, we're we're paying attention to it, we can see things happening in California and other states. We're doing what I'm doing right now, and you listening, how you're listening right now, may be, quote-unquote, against the law, or deemed hate speech. I believe it will be my son's generation. We gotta wake up. We gotta be prepared. We gotta have Daniel-like mentality that we're not gonna compromise this. I don't care what works for the world. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. And for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And at the end of the time when the king had commanded they should be brought in, the chief, the eunuchs, brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquires of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there serving under Nebuchadnezzar until Nebuchadnezzar was a king anymore in the year of King Cyrus. See, Daniel was faithful in his life with or without Nebuchadnezzar. And he knew what he was going to do and what he wasn't willing to compromise. And it's so important for us today. I didn't even get to where I wanted to go in chapter, in chapter 2. We might do three weeks on Daniel. I don't care. We're going to do what needs to be done. This is so important. There's so many lessons we can pull out of this. And it's just one story of one hero in the Bible that maybe we think we've known, but maybe we've really forgotten. Or we haven't really gone deep into the Scripture to say, well, what does this mean for me? What if I was a teenager thrust into this society, had to change everything? Would I compromise? That's our takeaway for today. Daniel was not willing to compromise. And if we don't understand that in chapter 1, chapter 6 and 7, we're talking about the lion's den. When Daniel's an old man, by the way, all this goes back to his youth. 
his foundation of his faith. This is my prayer for you today, that, it, that there will come a time where you will be asked, maybe in kind words or a generous offer, a new job or a new school or a new friendship or a new club or something like, I don't know. You're going to be invited to go into something which by the world standards seems fantastic and excellent. But you're going to have to say no to this. It's actually one of the reasons why we don't monetize our YouTube feed and we're not going to. Can't agree to their terms of service. We've read it. We don't just click accept. It's not going to work. I don't know. I hope this is helpful for someone today. I'm really excited about where we're going in this series. I just want to lay the groundwork on Daniel because, again, if we don't understand this today, we have no business going in the lion's den. I want to go in there with Daniel. You know what I mean? Like back in time. I want to feel like we're there in, in the den with Daniel. You know, maybe that's our new segment. In the den with Daniel. And we just, you know, uh, probably wouldn't work out. Week one would go great and then... Week two, no one would be alive. Um, so we, we're not going to do that. But like, it, it, I want to be there with him and I want to understand the moment. I want to know what it's felt like. But to know that, we've got to know Daniel. And if we're going to know Daniel, then we've got to know God and what his faith meant to him. So I want to encourage you. Maybe that's your next step thing. You want to call it that for this week. Maybe you need to take a step up. Like, maybe you've compromised your faith in some areas. Maybe it's time not to. Because a Daniel moment, a lion's den is coming. And we got to be ready.